Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. I hope you had a very exciting last couple of days as news was uh, fast and furious in the NHL. Lots of deals being made, lots of uh, players being drafted, whether it's existing NHLers or future ones in this last week. And so that's what we're here to talk about uh, from a devil's perspective, as usual. And you know what? It, it actually didn't end up being as interesting for the devils as we had uh, anticipated or hoped, but uh, John Fisher and I both believe that uh, at least the first pick that was made was one that was, um, you know, up to par. That's right. The devils made seven draft picks and they decided to keep all of their draft picks. I'm sure there were tons of rumors and wishes and hopes that uh, one of those first rounders, 29th overall, would have been picked um, in a deal as opposed to being used by Tom Fitzgerald, Paul Keshjohn, and their crew. But all seven picks were made. And the very first one was arguably one of the most expected picks, one of the safest, safest picks, one of the um, desire picks. And at the same time, Dan, one of the smartest picks they made that day, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Hughes at fourth overall. Yeah, Luke Hughes was selected by the Devils, giving them two out of the three in the collection of Hughes brothers. The Hughes became the first American family to have three siblings go in the first round of the NHL draft. Uh, that's happened before with a couple of Canadian families. I think the Stalls and the Suters both did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or Sorry, not Suters, Sutters, because there's a difference. Um, but that being said, the Devils managed to nab their second of the three Hughes brothers, and that Hughes brother, Luke, is a uh, tall mobile defenseman um you know pretty much fits what the devils were going for and there there were some options that were intriguing on the board when they picked him but i don't think this was very unexpected by everyone and clearly their star player was jazzed up about it i have never seen someone's legs shake like that um for good news for anyone else you have to go to a dog to uh get a comparable level of leg shake uh but yeah the big deal was hyped the draft party was hyped The fans all over the world were hyped. And Luke Hughes is pretty happy about it too. And uh, again, for those who aren't aware why there's so much hype for this, it's not just because he's Jack's younger brother, but he's the tallest of the three Hughes brothers. He's a very skilled, offensive-minded defenseman. He's a fantastic skater, one of the best in the entire draft class. And similar to Jack and Quinn Hughes, he's a you know also fantastic skaters in their own right. Uh, Luke is going to go to the University of Michigan, which had a banner first round yes on friday in of itself so luke is going to go to a very strong program where he's going to get better he's going to face tougher competition he'll hone his defensive game he'll harness his offensive game um given that the devils don't really have very offensive minded defensemen in their prospect pool outside of riley walsh luke hughes was a you know a no-brainer of a selection here Mm -hmm. and that's why people are very happy about the pick and they should be yeah, and this is a very interesting Devils. Uh, we're talking about the entry draft so far. We'll go back to the expansion draft because uh, some interesting happenings occurred around that. But in terms of the entry draft, it's interesting. I think if the Devils, you just look at the players they selected, you'd say, okay, this person went here, this person went here, this person went here. Fine, whatever. And there's a lot of um, people very upset after the pick that they made at number 29 yep. because it was a player that they probably could have picked at uh, pick number 68. And the player they picked at 68 was probably a player they could have and should have picked at number 29 mm, i wouldn't go as far to say that but well, i at will, the very ag- least I will you can agree imagine him in that range i will agree that chase stillman the actual selection at 29th overall that was not a good pick for where it was and yeah like you know 
after the first day, you know, Tom Fitzgerald had his uh, media availability and uh, Corey Massasak of the athletic made a joking question to Fitzgerald to ask, Hey, so what's the video quality of the Danish under 20 league? Mm-hmm. He's still been played eight games in the Danish under 20 league since he's an OHLer, and right. he didn't get a loan until late in this year. So his competition in 2020, 2021 for his draft year was eight games in the Danish under 20 league and the world under 18 championships. Mm-hmm. And Fitzgerald looked like he saw a ghost when he, he got that question. Like, what are you talking about? The Danish under 20 league almost like <laughs> that almost makes me think that this pick and a lot of other teams made their selections heavily based on that world under 18 tournament mm-hmm. and any past data that they have. I know Stillman was an all rookie player in the OHL in 2019-20 with Sudbury. And of course he's Corey Stillman's son. I think that's pretty much why they made this pick. Oh, he, he's a, he works hard. He's in your face. And as much as I can understand why a team would need those types of players as a general concept, you don't go and pick those players in the first round, especially when there were better prospects on the board, even prospects that could be that intense in your face forward, like Nikita Chiprikov, for example, whom when he, his game is on, he's like a Brad Marchand. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you take at 29, not Chase Stillman. Yeah, and I think this reeks of the issue that we saw last year with the Shakir Mukhamadoulin pick, where the Devils knew they didn't have a second rounder and they were maybe worried about, you know, they, they liked this guy so much they were worried about him not making it through the second round for by the time they would pick again. I don't know why they were worried about that with this guy specifically. Maybe they knew something that we didn't, but it just seems like kind of wasted capital, honestly, to, to pick someone that high who there's so many picks available after him and even picks the devil's got again, that were ranked higher on a lot of lists. So I don't know this one, this one was interesting. I, I don't know how it'll end up. And I'm honestly pretty disappointed. They didn't end up trading this pick, but I guess the mm-hmm. capital that was um, allowable, there were a few trades in the first round. Detroit traded back in to get a goalie. So did Minnesota. Um, it's just, I wonder if anyone was just not really looking for, trade-ups for players specifically outside of any goalies because the right. two trade-ups were for goalies right it was for wallstead and for cosa uh yes that was the case and there were some trade downs um as well i want to say um carolina i think delayed the second day of the draft to a full six hour marathon because they traded back <laughs> so many times yeah um in the post uh first day of the draft presser which is the hard you know the, maybe the most awkward way for me to describe it fitzgerald did reveal that He had one offer on the table for a player that they liked that they would have pulled the trigger on, but that player was selected before that offer pick to move up was made. Mm -hmm. So your guess is as good as mine as to who that would be. So one that already tells us that Stillman was not their first man on the board Two, Fitzgerald did reveal that they did get offers just for picks. Cause the question did come up of, you know, was anybody making an offer for 29? And he just said, well, there was one offer to move up and there were a couple offers to move down, but they all just involved picks. We didn't think very much of them. So we kept the pick. Yeah. And, and, and in retrospect, as you said, that that was not good use of draft capital. I can understand one of the larger themes of this whole draft is that I think a lot of teams um, incorrectly, in my opinion, are leaning towards, you know, more physical, sizable, uh, quote unquote, energy guys, uh, I think to a detriment. And then we've seen this in trades building up to the draft. We've seen this uh, with some of the selections that Seattle made at their expansion draft. And we saw that in the actual NHL entry draft themselves. I mean, Chicago's and Ottawa's 
uh, draft boards. Like, it's like, dude, you guys do realize that big dudes or intense dudes don't make your team better. Like yeah. you want to, especially in the higher picks, you want to like the skilled guys and then go for your quote unquote gritty guys later when, when they're more available. Ottawa in particular is baffling because they almost went off board with every single pick. <laughs> I don't oh, I yeah. didn't remember seeing a single pick where people were like, okay, Ottawa takes the best player available. It's just like, what are they doing? But also yeah. we're not here to talk about the senders. We're, We're here to talk keep about talking the about the Devils and, uh, you know, that 29 pick suspicious at best. And then the Devils didn't pick again until pick number, what was it, 68? Uh, yeah, so pick number 68, they selected a uh, Finnish center named Samu Salmanen, who was a player that a lot of people ranked in the top, um, you know, top 40 of the draft. And right. they ended up getting him at 68. So recouping at least some value there and Salmon and you know, the devils aren't exactly hurting for centers right now, but never hurts to have it in the system. No, he's very much a project pick. Uh, he's, he, this is important to know. He was selected from the Joker junior team. And this is notable because um, he is a commit to the university of Denver mm-hmm. in two seasons. So he's going to spend another year with the Joker under 20 team. Now Salmon and he was very productive with the under 20 team. He was actually the captain of Finland's fourth place uh, under 18 team at the world under 18 championships, mm-hmm. which again, brings more credence to the idea that a lot of teams, I think just threw up their hands and said, Hey, we're just going to look at what happens in Frisco this year and make our picks there. Mm-hmm. But Salmanen did have a good tournament. He did have a good season. He has a really nice offensive set of skills. The only thing that's holding him back, and this is actually a pretty big reason why he fell, I think the 68th is his skating. Like mm-hmm. it's very choppy. He's not very quick. It's the sort of thing that you just look at and go, if we can fix this, you might be able to have a pro career. But if you don't, we can't promise anything. But right. at 68th overall, that's not a bad pick to make. I personally would have picked Simon Robertson, who I thought was a first-round uh, caliber prospect, who has one of the best shots in the draft. He would have been a big win at 68th overall. He would have been a big win at 29th overall, for that matter. But Salmon in at 68 was okay. I like to pick most of the people who matter on our site. They like to pick, so... You like this one. The next pick, on the other hand, well, Dan, do you, let, how much do you know about this guy? Nothing. I don't, I'm going to be completely frank with you. Uh, any of these remaining guys, you don't um, know. No. And also, it, we're kind of at the point in the draft where I usually don't know the remaining guys. So, nothing, right. no reflection on them, but it's also like no one was really that jazzed or excited when these rest of the picks were made. We're just kind of, hoping that one of them hits optimistically, but this is yep. the territory where, you know, maybe we won't see them in the pros at any point, but selection, uh, the, the next selection they made was a hundredth overall mm-hmm. and it's a round four goaltender named Jakob Malik, who plays for VHK Vsetian in the Czech league, the Czech second that's, league. That's right. Not even the top league, the second league, the second league. He was a top 10 goaltender in that league. Okay. So, so there's that. <laughs> He's tall, wiry. Uh, he was unranked because he was with the under 20 sentence team in his draft eligible year. He is an overage draft prospect. Um, as mentioned, he did well, but that's all we know. And that Scott Clemenson recommended him. And the last time Scott Clemenson recommended a draft pick, it was Evan Cormier. So your mileage may vary on who to like here. Um, again, Going back to what we were saying about Stillman, this wasn't a great use of draft capital. Yes, it's the fourth round. Yes, you're pretty much throwing darts at this point, but 
in particular, this would have been a great time to have picked Dylan Duke, who was falling like a rock in this draft. It would have been great to pick Jack Barr, Jake Martin, who somehow went undrafted at all. Uh, there were some interesting talents still left in the fourth round that, for whatever reason, fell like a stone. But the Devils decided we got to keep the tradition of drafting goaltenders alive. And they went with this, well, nobody uh-huh. <laughs> in the fourth in the fourth round. So I, the best I could say is he'll come out of contract in a couple of years and we'll see him in Utica. That's all I got, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're at the point where if these guys hit, it's great. If they don't, yeah. then you don't really lose anything for it. So um, uh, again, should they have kept all of these picks in capital? I'm sure they tried to get rid of them and just mm. weren't successful in doing so. Given that Carolina kept doing it over and over again, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Fitzgerald didn't try particularly hard to do that. Okay. But maybe he was just looking for deals for players and not picks. I, I don't maybe. Really know. Um, it's hard to say, but again, after that at 129th overall in the fifth round, the devils picked a defenseman left shooting, uh, another Finnish player, Topias villain. That's right. Or Topias villain, depending on who you talk to. I don't know. Uh, he was actually a fairly good pick in the fifth round. Again, I would have preferred Dylan Duke here or Jack Barr. Um, but unlike some of the, like the Malik pick, this guy played in Finland, Finland's top league last season with Pelicans. He's very much a defensive minded, stay at home, um, you know, very little offensive defenseman here, but he played regularly on a top finished team in Finland's top league. He was an alternate captain at the world under 18 tournament, along with Samu Salminen. So, you know, again, his role is going to be limited at the next level, but he at least has a pro. He ha, he at least has pro experience by the time he's eighteen. So, mm-hmm. why not? It's the fifth round. At sure. least he at least he has a pedigree. And similar, if you don't mind, Dan, I'll just quickly talk yeah, about the ahead. last two picks here. Sure, sure. Because um, that's what you're looking for in the ends of these drafts. If you find somebody where, hey, this guy's not a complete nobody or a completely off the board pick or a, a total favor, like say, I don't know, drafting Kale McCarr's brother, mm-hmm. um, or uh, what Shane Doan's son. Or Shane, well, he was a second round pick, which was bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. The nepotism was strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It goes back to, uh, you know, I know there's been, especially with the Stillman pick, a lot of criticism from Devils fans of people who don't like it, like myself, saying, ah, what do the pundits know? Well, you can't say the NHL scouts are all that smart collectively. If they're making, jo- if they're taking Josh Doan, Jack Doan, right? Or I'm sorry, Jack, you're taking. Doan in the second Doan. round, <laughs> yeah. or Seattle, or, or better yet, Seattle's uh, second pick in their, their their second ever pick in this history of the Seattle Kraken. You know they stun the entire NHL Network panel by picking an overage at 30, 35, 30, yeah, 35 overall, and they're just going, "Well, we're off the board already." Like that's not a good sign. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to the exactly. Ducks. Uh, their sixth round pick was Victor Hertig, so he's a right right handed defenseman. He's massive. Huge, tall, six foot five, 191 pounds. Plays in, played for Sweden's uh, under 20 team with Vesteras before their season got cut short. Then he ended up playing for their uh, main team with limited minutes, like a lot of Swedish players did uh, last season. Got a loan for a couple games in the hockey Eton. And then um, he is joining Vaxio Lakers. So he'll continue his uh, career in Sweden for the moment. And then the last pick of the draft was Zakhar Bardakov. Um, a double overager. He played for the Russian World Junior Championship team because he's 20 years old. He primarily played in the KHL last season with Vityaz. Uh, Scott St. Petersburg traded for him. 
Um, and he's the only player that I've seen in a long time where he, you know, if you go to the draft analysis, they had a free draft guide available. It's a simple PDF file. You can go there right now and read it. He's not only listed there, but they uses the word menace in it <laughs> since he led the MHL uh, two years running uh, in penalty minutes, which, you know, the MHL as Will Scouch calls it, it's pretty much a, uh, you know, it's a very casual league compared to some of the other junior leagues. You know, it's yeah. sort of, if something goes wrong, let the game figure it out. Don't it's worry. It's a so this, beer league, but in Russia. <laughs> yeah, but Bartikov was basically, you know, way too wild, way too undisciplined, but he seemed to have uh, cleaned up his act in the KHL a little bit more, and especially at the World Junior Championships. He's not very fast. His skill set may be limited, but if you're looking for in-your-face, big, energy, physical, nasty dude, you got him in the seventh round. Hey, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just take a flyer on whoever's there that you even kind of right. know of. But um, what was most curious is that the entire second day of the draft, Dan, was an entirely European draft class, and which is weird to me considering how many restrictions there were on scouts this year in terms of visiting other countries, mm-hmm. seeing other games. Some of these guys like Hurtig, for example, their seasons were cut short at the level they should have been playing at. Mm-hmm. Other Other guys, you know... You know, yes, Malik, for example, I don't know how Clemenson got a recommendation for him because I don't know who was allowed to see the Czech second league or even how you would even possibly see that. Right. At least with Bartikov and Vilan and Selminen, like they're, you know, they play on teams that are known in Europe. You could have gotten a video feed and watched them. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but you could have. So the Devils, in a sense, you know, decided, I guess, to trust their European scouts they're going to try their best to see if they can have their first ever successful finish draft pick ever since the Devils have not succeeded on a finished draft pick ever, unless E2 Pekila wants to prove me very wrong very soon. <laughs> or, um, or, or Arne Talvite. Yeah, exactly. He's probably the best hope uh, for finished Devils draft picks. Um, obviously, you know, it's easy to look at Herdig and go, well, he's from Sweden. The Devils have had a lot of success out of late picks from Sweden in recent years. So maybe he's a guy. And the Russian picks have actually been pretty solid in terms of interesting potential um so i don't hate this draft per se but i have a feeling this could very much end up like 2003 or 2004 where luke hughes is going to be great and then the rest of the group is going to be whatever mm-hmm. and I that's, mean, that's kind of the worst case scenario here fine though given the amount of prospects that the devils have that the, the yeah. thing is that like the devils have a lot of volume right now there's a lot of stuff to sift through in terms of who has a career as an NHLer, but there's a lot of names already being talked about as they could potentially make it to the team. And, and this is something that it's a good problem to have. So I think they just oriented their draft more towards the organizational vision, which you can agree with, you cannot agree with, but it's very clear that Fitzgerald is thinking, well, now we know European, but also big D-men, big physical presence, big, uh, you know, centers who play hard power forward types, not really, orienting as much towards skill I, I think he feels he has enough of that in the pipeline already so mm. who's to say <laughs> given, given he, that the team finished 29th last season well, that's that, a pretty hard pill to swallow that wasn't the pipeline though finishing 29th that that was eh, true the, you know the pipeline had its own problems playing for you know an AHL team that was mostly gutted to make up the NHL team last year and true. you know it's they do have more guys who, you know, you're talking about Graham Clark, you're talking about um, Nolan Foote, you're talking about people who are more known for the skill aspect of things. And now they're adding a bunch of people that are kind of huge. And Kevin Ball was the big presence in terms of the prospects, but now they added Luke Hughes, who, what, he shoots up to prospect number two or one in the system now? 
Yeah, I mean, in a couple of weeks, Something we'll like start that. our uh, we'll start our top twenty five under twenty five list, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I fully expect Luke Hughes to be up there with Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer. I think will get a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Nolan Foot will still get plenty of love. Um, yeah, I think Luke Hughes is definitely among in terms of the guys who have not made it to New Jersey yet. Um, yeah, Hughes is probably up there with Holtz, and you can make an argument that he may be better than Holtz just beyond, just on the basis of he's a 17-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a lot of room to grow, whereas with Holtz, you know, he's 19, so we have a better idea of, like, who he is and what he could do. He already came over to uh, Binghamton and will start in Utica next season, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, Hughes is definitely – Luke Hughes is definitely the team's um, – one of their premier prospects, one of the guys you need to know for the future – uh, I just wish the Devils made some better picks. If they just made one or two different picks, either at in this with 29th overall or 68th overall or even 100th overall, I, I would go from having this class being Luke Hughes and a bunch of dudes to Luke Hughes and a pretty good set of dudes, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. that's how I feel about it. And it remains to be seen again. With all these draft classes, you can analyze them right after the draft happens, and you'll have different interpretations of how they did based on, obviously, the result. We, we have a lot of uh, a lot of hindsight that could be used eventually with this draft i'm sure we view the um what was it 2015 where brat was taken no he was taken 2017 with nico but we no, view he's the- taking 2016 oh with zaka then or or no am i getting that wrong is zaka, take- zaka's 15 zaka was six uh 15 yep. mcleod was McLeod. 16. so that draft actually looks a lot better for the devils now with mcleod and brat um and yeah, then and- and you the know. Devils traded a bunch of these other guys for other players like Ryan Graves, who they acquired. You know, Mikhail Maltov was, was a fourth rounder in that pick. While Mikhail mm-hmm. Grabner wasn't that good here, it doesn't look like Igor Rikov is going to stick around in the NHL. He's hanging out in the KHL still. Yeah, uh, so no huge uh, loss. Exactly. The whole point of this is if you're not going to get players out of it, at least get value in a deal, in something. Mm-hmm. And then this way you could say, you know what? The pick at least got us this other move. Even if it didn't work out to the full extent, it's a lot better than a guy that you pick and just go, eh, he did nothing. Right. Yeah. And again, and you that... know who else was picked in the 2016 draft, Dan? Oh, who's that? Nathan Bastion. In the second round. That's right. <laughs> and in the second round, Nate Bastion is uh, no longer a New Jersey Devil because he was chosen for um, expansion purposes by the Seattle Kraken. So Nate Bastion becomes a member of the Kraken um, joining their team up there. I I don't, you know, he's someone that it would have been nice to have as a complimentary piece for that bottom six. It's nice to have him basically psychologically for Mike McLeod, but he is not someone that's not replaceable for the devils. And we talked about him as a possibility to go. Uh, I wasn't positive that it would be him anyway, but um, apparently Seattle liked what they saw and he fit the bill of drafting mostly young controllable guys as they did um, over in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle's expansion roster. I'm just going to say straight up is very disappointing. And oddly enough, based on the selections of guys like Colin Blackwell, Carson Tawarnski, Kale Yonkrock, Mason Appleton, uh, John Quenville, Cole Lind, Alex True, Morgan Geeky, like, it's not a guarantee that Bastion's going to make this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a sense, it's almost like, I guess you picked him as a future bottom six guy because that's kind of what he is. He's on a cheap deal for two seasons. But Seattle seemingly drafted, like, eight guys that could play in the bottom six. Yeah. So, you know, math math is your friend here. Bastion's not a lock to make this. So 
at, at the least, you know, as much as I can understand Devil fans being disappointed that Bastion is no longer there, and, and you're absolutely right, Dan. McLeod, McLeod's going to miss Bastion because when Bastion was injured last season, McLeod was very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Bastion came back, McLeod played much better. I, McLeod is going to have to learn how to play without Nathan, Nathan Bastion in his life. It's as simple as that, that. So that Band-Aid was ripped off, and Ron Francis and his crew picks up Nathan, nasty Nathan Bastion, as the Devils apparently called him, and we wish him the best and hope he makes that roster. Yeah, well, well, uh, yeah. I wonder how the Devils will replace him. It's probably going to be an internal replacement anyway. I don't feel yeah. like it's that controversial. Um, I think it's just something that it's a bummer to see him leave because he brought a lot of good energy to the team. But if you don't have more than one guy capable of doing that, you have to look at your roster anyway. So the Devils need to figure that aspect of things out and beyond that they need to figure out who's going to be on the penalty kill anyway so it's it's not like um it's not like this was a problem they didn't anticipate having yeah he was a good penalty kill piece too but he he was clearly not enough and so you have to find people that are enough as it is and let's not and let's not you know, kid ourselves here, Dan. The team was 29th last season. Their penalty kill was historically at historical levels of awfulness at points last season. Yeah, just they can make some improvements. Bad. They can make some improvements. They can make some improvements. And there's an opportunity to make some improvements real soon because we're recording this on Sunday. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday is the beginning of free agency frenzy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see who goes where. The Devils have plenty of capital, but so do a lot of other teams. And the rumors are uh, fast and furious with, you know, they're talking to Doug- Dougie Hamilton. They're not talking to Dougie Hamilton. It, it's it's a lot of speculation, which is fine. Um, we, can, we can speculate about things, but also I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. And remember, the free agent has to decide that this is their destination of choice as well as the devils deciding that they want to sign them and commit to them for a certain number of years. So you can suggest anything you want on Twitter. The ma- fact of the matter is the player has to also want this. And that's mm-hmm. something that I think people are kind of not remembering as well, that they have to want to be here as well. Otherwise it doesn't make sense. And so if Dougie Hamilton wants that, if he wants to grow with the devils, that would be great. He'd be a huge help and would be immediately their best defender. But um there's some other free agents potentially out there the Devils could take a look at. So, John, do you have any names in mind that I'm not going to say more accessible? I don't think Ducky Hamilton's inaccessible, but no. it's it's just it's difficult to think about what the players would want. But for some players that are maybe less high profile, what are some names the Devils could potentially pursue? Right. So. Obviously, the Devils are legitimately making a push for Dougie Hamilton. Like, there are reports saying the Devils have sent out emails, you know, emails, that brand new technology to reach out to people, uh, trying to sell Hamilton on New Jersey. But more seriously, though, um, one guy I'm sure Devil fans are kind of be secretly hoping for, in a sense, will be Blake Coleman. He is Mm -hmm. an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Given that Barclay Goudreau was given a... Stupid contract by our hated rivals. Uh, I have a feeling that he's going to want a lot of money and uh, maybe more than what the Devils would want to pay him. But Coleman would actually be a really nice fit for what the Devils could use. Um, In terms of veterans, if you like veterans, Dan, there's going to be plenty of them available. Um, I don't, I wouldn't touch most of them, but (laughs) at least be aware that if you, if you wanted the Devils to spend a bit on Paul Statsny as a stopgap third line center, or you wanted to bring in, more 
Oh, I hate saying this because I might be wishing this. I'm, the minute I say this, it might actually happen. David Krejci, who I oh, think God. is a, uh, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly my thoughts. They just don't need another center. Like they, they just don't. No, but the idea is that if you're not going to keep Zach as a center, you know, you have to ask yourself, are you really going to run with um, Hughes, Heischer, Guy, and uh, McLeod as your centers? Yeah, I mean, the... there's an argument to be made about, especially if you want to improve your special teams, if you want to. This Devils team is still very young, so there is an argument to be made about bringing in some quote-unquote experience to help them when things do go rough. Mm-hmm. Um so they could do that. They could opt for a quote unquote um, Schroeder option, like an Alexander Wenberg, maybe a Nick Bonino if you want to go a little older, if you want to try Matthias Janmark or, um, or uh, goodness, Michael Granlund, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some interesting names out there for, it's going to depend a lot on the contract and their usage in terms of whether or not it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the aforementioned Alexander Wenberg, and I'll throw Andreas Effa and SCU into this, where they're not bad players, but if you're not going to use them appropriately, you're basically wasting your money. So mm-hmm. it, it begs the question of, like, you know, where do you intend to use these guys? Um, there are some guys I think the devil should be afraid of, like Mike Hoffman is probably going to be a popular pick since they're looking for wingers. Um, but, uh, you know, those are some of the bigger, quote unquote, names at forward. Obviously, on defense, there's Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and um, he this is not so much a free agent player, but he's somebody that Tom Fitzgerald has already indicated as somebody possibly bringing back. Uh, Ryan Murray mm-hmm. might be coming back to the org, as it were. Uh, they've already opened up discussions with him. That was revealed after the uh, second day of the draft on Saturday. I think uh, if, if Murray doesn't have to play as prominent of a role he could be a really really nice piece and he stayed healthy which is what we were looking to I -hmm. mean for the most part he stayed healthy he did miss some games here or there but he was he was one of the devils that actually stayed on the ice the longest this year which was nice to see from him uh specifically and you know he had results that were comparable to a lot of the team in that they were not great but also he was probably not the biggest issue they had and again if he has a less prominent role if he's not playing first line minutes or even second line minutes maybe he could probably be a pretty good piece for them certainly and you know if murray falls through or the devil's opt to go with a different direction especially for left-sided defensemen again a couple of recent buyouts have made ryan Suter available or um uh, here's here's a fun name keith yandel Mm-hmm. Again, older players, but if you just need a stopgap for a season or two, it's defensible mm-hmm. to a degree, depending on how much they're going to cost you. Um, likewise, you could, if you really want to take a big risk, you can try for Tyson Barry, even though he's all offense and not much on defense, but he's a right-sided defenseman. So if you're going to give, because one of the other rumors that the Devils are doing is that they are shopping PK Subban, which makes total sense because his signing bonus was paid out, Dan. He's only getting paid $2 million in salary this season. I called this, Dan. I called this on this very podcast that this could be happening. It could be happening real soon. We shall see. But if they does happen, either you're getting Dougie Hamilton or you need somebody to play on the right side to fill in minutes. So that where that's where you might want to kick the tires on a Barry or heaven forbid, because I don't think he's very good, uh, Cody Cece. But mm-hmm. these are the things that you kind of have to deal with in terms of um, things to consider here. And of course, uh, 
if it doesn't sound like this free agent market is all that impressive sounding, that's partially because some of the deals that were made um, after the expansion draft and before the NHL entry draft happened, where Seth Jones was yeah. was uh, given a ridiculous contract by Chicago after Chicago gave Columbus a lot of stuff. Rasmus uh, Ristolina was on the trade block and Philadelphia jumped on that pro- on that grenade. So thank you very much, uh, Philadelphia, who also gave away Shane Gostisby here a day prior. So Philadelphia, good job on trying to finish in sixth place for another another season. Well, it's interesting. Like Chicago basically built up a lot of good capital and good vibes getting rid of Duncan Keith and finding a way mm-hmm. to, to have someone else take on that contract to immediately tie up $9 million in a defenseman that's going to be making more than Miro Heiskainen and probably playing worse than him starting a year or two from now. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's very much the definition of Seth Jones better bounce back. Otherwise, oh my goodness, this what is, is wrong with you, Chicago? <laughs> it's a it's a tough looking deal. And um, so that trade occurred as well. The Columbus Blue Jackets and the Flyers, the Flyers were very active. They got Ellis. They gave away Spear. They got Ristolainen, in which I, one can argue is not really an accomplishment after all. But no, don't celebrate that. <laughs> um, they also made a trade sending Jack Voracek back to his original team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, in exchange for Cam Atkinson, notorious devil destroyer. Um, I don't love that Cam Atkinson's in Philly, and I don't really understand the deal from Columbus's perspective, but it low key these players are the same age or if anything Atkinson's a bit older which is something that is infinitely surprising to me because he feels like he's 23 constantly well the big thing worth relevant to Wednesday coming up is that that frees up a couple extra million dollars for Philly to play with and Mm -hmm. that's part of the that's part of the rationale for some of these deals that were made is they're making cap space so they can do things on Wednesday. Well, that's and- another like another cap space deal of that ilk before we like get into the analysis of it. Uh, we can mm-hmm. throw Buchnevich for Blaze into this category as well. Yeah, which was another stupid deal. So thank you, Chris Jury, for ruining uh, our hated rivals. Keep keep it up. Yeah. I, I support what you're doing. I'm just like Mark it. Messier, just like Mark Messier said, you gotta win in alleyways, not on the rink, Dan. You gotta yeah. win in alleyways. I'm, I'm absolutely here for them winning in the alleyways. <laughs> yeah, win, win in all the alleyways. Tons as of alleyways. As long as they don't win on the ice, I'm fine with winning in the alleyways. <laughs> Loads of alleys in New York City. Go win them all. <laughs> Pick your favorite. Yeah. yeah. Good, good luck. Anyway, uh, that kind of deal was also encapsulated by our hate rivals. But anyway, go on for the um, analysis of that. Well, the analysis of that deal or the analysis of what no, the no, just like with? the principle of that deal. It's the fact that in a year where the cap isn't going up, you're going to have to make some of these unsavory deals. I just didn't mm-hmm. realize they would be this unsavory because they are very not good for the teams that are getting the relief here. Uh, it seems like it's costing them a lot to get that cap relief as well. So, um, well, that's the thing. But Nevich, I don't think Butchnevich was a free he didn't agent. have a he was an RFA. Oh, he was. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they, to make sure they didn't have to sign him, even though they had the space to fill him in for at least a year, because mm-hmm. he is a top six forward on that team. Like he plays well with Artemi Panarin. In, in, in return for him, they got a second round pick, which, yay. And Sammy Blyes, a fourth liner who is an RFA next season. So, I just, good don't job, understand. guys. Like, I don't understand them protecting Kevin Rooney and letting Blackwell go. In all the viewings that the Devils had against the Rangers, Blackwell was, he made a presence. It's not like he wasn't. He's their Brian Gibbons. I guess so. so. Yeah. So, so I guess they were more willing to eat that. Was he overage as well? 
Yeah, Blackwell's like 29. Like he's okay, pushing gotcha. 30. So just he, like yeah, I said, he's either Brian Gibbons. Okay, so he's more like the perennial AHL that had a nice run for a couple Pretty of much. games. So yeah, he goes to Seattle anyway. But um, that all being said, the Devils still already had plenty of space to work with. So they would be on the other end of those kinds of deals, theoretically, if they had made any of them. But it, it, the possibility still exists that they can make it with free agents, um, you know, outlining their demands too. If a free agent wants a certain amount of money and the team can't pay it, well, they've got to free up some money somewhere. And so they can. Yeah. And the Devils, you know, as of we're talking right now, still have little over $32 million in cap space. They're actually $11 million under the cap floor. So this, that's part of the reason why the Devils are making this push for Dougie Hamilton. It's why the New York Post is saying that the rumored deal is uh, a $63 million deal, deal over seven years, which is $9 million per season, where, yeah, that's a lot of money and that's a lot of term, but the Devils are a team that can afford that. And that's even with P.K. Subban on the book still. Like, that's how much space the Devils have to play with. And their free agents that they have to sign right now are Yegor Sharangovich, who Devil social media has constantly posted pictures of him wearing a dumb-looking hat, but he's wearing Devil's merchandise. It's not a Devil's hat, so that's why it's a dumb hat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty confident they're going to re-sign him. And Yanni Kwakinen, he has no arbitration rights either, so they're going to re-sign him. There's Nick Merkley, and that's pretty much it in terms of guys that could command any type of legitimate money at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ryan Murray being kept, he's probably going to be kept fairly cheap. He's not going to get paid as much as he did last year. So, yeah, the Devils have tons of money to go out and spend to get a Dougie Hamilton and then still have money left over to try to get an extra winger in a deal or find that one B goaltender to go with Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, Fitzgerald did identify winger and a one B goaltender by name uh, after the draft yesterday. So those are the primary targets. Um, and there's already, there's already a lingering rumor that New Jersey and San Jose are going to do something, which makes sense because San Jose is really bad and capped out mm-hmm. and the Devils can take on a Timo Meyer or a Kevin LeBlanc or, or, you know, even, I don't think they'll do this because he has a modified no trade clause, but a Thomas Hurtle, you know. Well, I was going to say, I'm here. pretty disappointed that nothing happened because I, I do tend to trust Weeks at this point. Um, he's proven himself pretty reliable in terms of yeah. deals like this. And he had mentioned that there was something going on, but I guess it never really manifested or um, there's some cold feet on, on one of the sides before it happened. So that's kind of a bummer, but we'll see if that conversation's restarted again. We often hear stories of, you know, when the trade actually happens, oh, it was close a week ago, but something had to shift in the landscape. There's no reason to believe they're still not, they're not still close, but maybe something shifted on the day of the draft. And so we'll see how that develops further. So yeah, a lot left to discuss a lot of um, potential overhaul still to come for the devils this year. Uh, but in terms of who they have available, they just added some picks to their prospect pool. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that none of them will be in the NHL for at least two years. I think oh, yeah. Hughes is going back he's definitely going back to he's going to Michigan for his first year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens after that is really anyone's guess. The guess right now would be that he stays another year at Michigan, but I think this is one college free age, one potential college free agent. The devils will not have to worry about not signing a contract and abandoning them just because his brother is on the team. Uh, he's one that I'm not really worried about. Yeah. And, and again, it, I know this is something that a lot of more and more hockey fans complain of being a loophole and things like that. My take on this is you got to keep recruiting the player. Like, just like you would recruit a free agent, like you talk to say Dougie Hamilton and say, here's the reasons why you should sign with us. 
you got to do that with your prospects in college. Like you have to make the argument to them to say, Hey, join our team and you'll get minutes or, Hey, sign here. And we'll guarantee that you're in the NHL in three years, mm-hmm. or look, you can go hit the market, but we can tell you right up front. If you do X, Y, and Z, you're a starter. Like that's the sort of conversations that need to keep happening. This isn't like with major junior hockey or European hockey, where you draft their rights. And then after a year or two, you can talk to them later. And in the case of Russian hockey players, they're indefinite. So you talk to them whenever they're available. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to put in some more work with your college prospects. And I'm sorry, but I I don't think that's a big ask to ask of management here. No, no. It's it's like any, it's like any job, you know, it's uh, your boss in a sense has to keep giving you reasons why you should stay at your job. If Mm -hmm. you don't like it, they know full well, you could put in the effort to go find a new job. Likewise with, hockey players and uh, especially college prospects, they know full well that they could hit the market if they can bet on themselves and they think there's enough interest from other teams. That is a viable option. If the team that drafts them doesn't like them in the case of Will Butcher, it was a case of Patrick Waugh literally calling up saying you're too small to play in this league. Like (laughs) bro, Patrick Waugh burned that bridge real fast. Yeah. You know, and Joe Sackick as good and smart and eloquent that he is, you know, he couldn't rebuild that bridge. So he did it. And that's I what, wonder that's how what Butcher factors into the devil's plans in general here. Well, that's another, that's another name that could be tossed around. Um, given that Lindy Ruff didn't play him until mm-hmm. after Kulikov and Botnin were gone. Um, I wouldn't put a lot of money on him starting right now. I know it's easy to look at cap friendly and go, Oh, the devils have six defensemen. They don't really need another defenseman. Um, yeah, they kind of do. If they don't think Will Butcher is going to be one of them. And if they're going to move Subban for somebody, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to need some defenders. And of course you're going to need depth as always. Uh, you don't want to keep leaning on the Matt Tennyson's and the Connor Carrick's of the world either. So mm-hmm. um, there are some decisions to be made here, but the nice thing is that the devils have, a lot of room. Now it's up to yet one more season of me saying, now let's see how creative and aggressive Tom Fitzgerald is because I'm getting to the point, Dan, where I'd like to see a more competitive hockey team. Yeah. And you're not going to do that just by waiting. You know, it's easy for you and me to go at a hockey blog and say, eh, in three years, they'll be good. Like, no, put in some effort and you can be good sooner than three years. And this is going to be a recurring theme of, you know, this until they actually get good. It's like, all right, it's it's been eight missed pl- seasons in nine years. There's only so much that you can handle, especially when everyone else is getting better around them. So we'll talk about that more as it becomes more relevant. I think I think we um, have covered a lot of ground, at least for today. So what I want to do is uh, wrap up the episode here for the week, unless you think there's something else that we should throw in. There's a lot of stuff that happened and a lot of stuff still to come. But again, we want to make sure that we're, we're keeping things current and not speculating too, too much. Yep. I think that pretty much covers all the major things that you would need to know. Bastion is is now with Seattle and hopefully makes that team. The Devils got Luke Hughes and a bunch of dudes at the draft over the last two days and free agency is coming. And my only piece of advice is pay very close attention, but don't get your hopes too much up, up until noon on Wednesday, because there's going to be tons of rumors and chatter. Mm -hmm. And then um, I would say, 
pay the most attention to free agency on Wednesday and maybe Thursday. Cause typically most of the, most of the signings that happen happen within 48 hours of free agency opening. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that a lot of activity happens in the days afterwards, unless with the rare exception of a quote unquote, big, big name player making their choice. Like Zach Parise infamously did with New Jersey, like Ilya Kovalchuk infamously did with New Jersey and Okay, those are my two main examples to go on. But the point is, is that, yeah, but the point is, is that the most of the names, most of the quote unquote quality names that are going to be available on the market that the Devils need to go out and get, they really should be trying to get them within the first 48 hours. So, you know, pay attention on Wednesday and Thursday and then start relaxing a little bit because the NHL schedule is going to start up in September and we shall see soon what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think the schedule has been released. Well, the schedule has been released. Yes. But I mean, what I'm saying is like the actual off part of the off season oh. is probably going to start this weekend. So you can relax a little bit yeah. as a fan and then, you know, you know, come back at the middle of September and get reconnected to what this team even looks like, who's fighting for jobs and the marathon 82 game season with a potential Olympic break in the middle of it. That's going to be, um, that's going to be when it really starts. Mm-hmm. All right. So until that happens, we'll tide you over and talk about the free agents the devil signed as the team shapes up and attempts to get back into relevance. So that's been our time for this episode of Garden State of Hockey. Thank you for listening as usual. And let's go, devil. Sign some free agents. Spend money. Go, devils. Go, devils.